You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sports Comedy Podcast. It's not a player to be named later. It just crushes a lot. I'm your host, Adam Weinerman. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and playing softly under an inspirational speech about how nobody believes in this team, so why don't we just go out there and trade Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini anyway? Big show today, post-MLB trade deadline, and obviously a tribute show as well, with one of the co-hosts of The Incline, a Dodgers podcast, Jake Reiner. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. 11-time NBA champion Bill Russell passed away this weekend at the age of 88. Ah, damn it, I was running this place, said the ghost of Wilt Chamberlain. Russell was not only a champion on the court, but also an unrivaled champion for social justice, a term Boston fans can Google now that they've heard of it. Despite his best efforts, Russell will be survived by racism. NFL training camps open this week, and yes, your three favorite players are nursing something. Only in the NFL can season-ending injuries be caused by old friends reuniting. Well, I guess that's also true of any mid-pandemic workplace. You know what? Scrap that. There's way more screaming involved in the NFL, though. Slight, slightly more screaming involved. The NBA is probing the 76ers' new deal with James Harden. The timing of his renegotiated contract was pretty suspicious. Minutes after Harden agreed to take a pay cut, Ivana Trump's grave showed up at the Sixers' practice facility. 23-year-old generational superstar Juan Soto was traded to the San Diego Padres ahead of Tuesday's deadline, and MLB fans can't wait to see how a core of Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Manny Machado eventually comes up short. Soto might be the most talented player traded since Babe Ruth, and this time there's not even a Broadway musical for the Nationals owner to finance. It's actually really sad. He was pitching Hamilton, but Hamilton already exists, so I guess he's gonna... Do Hamilton alone? Ah, oh, buddy. That's not what money's for. The Seattle Mariners have acquired Reds ace Luis Castillo in exchange for four top prospects before accidentally trading him to Russia in exchange for Brittany Griner. Commissioner Rob Manfred and President Joe Biden are both looking into getting Castillo home safely, but it might take a few more top prospects to finish off a deal. The Boston Red Sox added Padres first baseman Eric Hosmer after Hosmer refused to go to Washington as part of the Juan Soto trade. Hosmer's no-trade clause apparently only included major cities. 
The Sox also traded for Tommy Pham, who you might remember from slapping outfielder Jack Peterson over a fantasy football issue, making him the most Boston person alive. The Philadelphia Phillies pulled off a deal for old enemy Noah Syndergaard. Not to be outdone, the Mets have snagged the Fanatic. Syndergaard isn't throwing his best fastball, but hey, that hasn't stopped Dr. Oz from running for a Pennsylvania Senate seat. The Kansas City Royals traded Whit Merrifield to Toronto a few weeks after he couldn't get into Canada because he was unvaccinated. That's right, Merrifield is not throwing away his shot, a line I borrowed from the Nationals owner's musical. Merrifield wasn't Toronto's only major deadline acquisition, though. As part of a global public health initiative, the Drays also traded for Alex Jones, Kevin Sorbo, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was DFA. Cristiano Ronaldo exited the stadium on Sunday before Man United's draw was even over. But to be fair to Ronaldo, he had a hot date, and the judge doesn't like to be kept waiting. And Charles Barkley has chosen not to leave TNT for Live Golf. Meanwhile, Shaq is completely stuck inside a bag of clubs. Barkley agreed that in the future, he'll only take Saudi money if they can fix his swing. Unfortunately, his current swing is a real hatchet job. So, they don't want to fix it. Because it's a hatchet job. And now, my interview with Jake Reiner, co-host of The Incline, a Dodgers podcast, as well as someone who recently traveled to the National Comedy Center in support of his grandfather, Carl Reiner's collection, being donated to the archive. Let's talk all things trade deadline, all things Vin Scully, and all things classic comedy. Oh, wow, that's what this podcast is all about. Jake, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Huge year for Dodger fans. Huge decade for Dodger fans. Huge, you know, your entire lifetime for Dodger fans. But uh, we'll do a little trade deadline stuff. Obviously, that's what we intended to focus on. Uh, Got hit with a curveball last night, though. So obviously, I want to start here. Vin Scully, uh, the greatest announcer in anything history, uh, passed away late Tuesday. Uh, We're talking on Wednesday. Um, so as someone who's sort of been I- embedded in the fan base and, and, you know, I, I grew up a Yankee fan, East coast, obviously Vin Scully, a big part of my life, but he wasn't the voice of my team. Uh, what was it like growing up with, you know, Vin as the formative voice of your childhood, you turn on your game every night and he's the voice that guides you through it. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, when, when he would say it's time for Dodgers baseball, it, it was the moment that always sent chills up my spine it was the moment that you knew that the dodger game was starting and you knew that vin was calling it and for me to grow up uh a dodgers fan uh listening to vin we were completely spoiled um not only as a dodgers fan but also as a lakers fan too spoiled with chick hearn um and the the thing that i uh found remarkable about vin scully is that he transcended any era When he started his career in 1950, all the way up through the 2010s, there were so many generations of people that grew up with Vin Scully. Um, My grandfather, my grandfather didn't grow up with Vin Scully. He was already, you know, a a, a full-fledged adult by the time Mm -hmm. 1950 came around. But um, my dad certainly grew up on Vin Scully. He was born in 1947. So he's been listening to Vin Scully his entire life. Um, and interestingly enough, both my dad and my grandfather started out as New York Giants fans and then became Dodgers fans. And similarly with Vin Scully, he grew up uh, a New York Giants fan. And then 
he never said he became a Dodgers fan, but he became a part of the Dodgers when he started uh, announcing for the team under Red Barber. And that was the story that I actually worked on today for, for CBS Los Angeles was, you know, how could one man, you know, how could we grow up from different eras and still get an entire lifetime of Vin Scully as the voice of your team. And I talked to uh, guys that were in their seventies today, all the way like to under 10 years old. And there was this one little boy who kind of reminded me of myself when I was that young and he could not have been old enough to really appreciate Vin Scully. I mean, I think he was, you know, just growing up right when Vin Scully retired in 2016 this kid was crying. He cried uh, thinking about Vin Scully. And that to me just hit me harder than anything because of how young this kid was, how young I was when I first started listening to Dodger baseball. And then you talk to, you know, the, the people my father's age who also grew up loving Vin Scully. This guy was the all all time undisputed greatest of all time. And I, and I love that that is sort of widely known throughout sports that he was the best broadcaster of all time. You don't have this sort of like, you know, is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? No, Vince Scully was bar none, the best announcer, best broadcaster of all time. That's the stunning thing. I mean, you're talking cross generation, but he was obviously still working at full capacity in 2016 at, in his late eighties. And we all just sort of accepted it. Like, yeah, I guess someday Vin Scully will go away and stop doing this. But at this point, he's still the greatest to to ever do it, to be doing it now. And he is near 90. And when he actually retires, you kind of realize, I guess there's an end date to this because he was still the greatest we'd heard. Yeah. And he it was it's one of those one of those people that you never you know, you know, they're going to 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 pass away at some point. But I think in your mind, you're, you you think this person's going to live forever. I mean, they're just they're just going to be no end to this. Even when he retired in in 2016, um, you thought this guy's never never going to go away. And the special part about him is that he will never go away. You can still listen to any game, watch any highlight, and just be in awe of his mastery of not only the play by play side, which is difficult in and of itself. And we know that there are a ton of play by play broadcasters out there that just aren't great at just that part of the game, but he was just tremendous with the storytelling and baseball is a, a sport that you can let breathe. And he really let it breathe Uh, in basketball. If you're doing play by play for basketball, you got to be on it every single time. There's really no downtime. Similarly with football, you've got to be on it with baseball. There's not a lot of action that happens. And of course, you got to hit the mark when the action does happen. But the, the 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 dead time, there's a lot of dead time in baseball. And he was able to fill it uh, beautifully. And so a game that was, you know, maybe out of hand, maybe a 9 nothing game or a 12 nothing game, it didn't really matter. You still wanted to listen because of him. Now I'm thinking about Vin doing a Lakers game and letting the crowd tell the story and somebody in his ear being like, Vin, you got to say what's happening, man. You can't just let the crowd... Points are being scored, dude. Exactly, um, exactly. Do you have a do you have a favorite moment? Uh, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's impossible to distill. Yeah, um, it's funny because you think about you know all the people that that grew up listening to him when the Dodgers first came to LA. That everyone talks about how you could hear the transistor radios throughout the stadium because people wanted to listen to Vin Scully while they watched the game live. 
to really appreciate him though you had to you, you had to sit down and listen to him you had to watch the game while it was going on and and one memory comes to mind that i think um i'll always love and i actually tweeted it out because it's one of my favorite moments in dodger history where it was a regular season game 2006 versus the padres this was the uh four home run game where mm-hmm. Uh, you had, you know, Jeff Kent and Russell Martin and JD Drew and Marlon Anderson, and then capped off by Nomar Garcia Parra. So the four plus one game. And for Vince Scully, who had been doing it for decades, decades, and decades at that point, obviously had seen a lot in his career. And it just felt like when he was calling that game, there was a certain level of excitement that even he had, because I think he was witnessing something that he had never seen before, uh, or at least not frequently. And so when the fourth home run was hit by Marlon Anderson, um, he had this, it, it wasn't really any a specific call or, 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 or a way with words that he had, but it was just a feeling when, when Marlon Anderson hit the home run, it was like, and another drive. And it was just, that was the fourth home run. And that another drive, just the tone in his voice just gives me goosebumps. And that, that coupled with the, uh, Nomar walk off home run two innings later or an inning later. Uh, it's just, it was just beautiful. And I watched that game um, with my, with my dad. Um, we were, uh, we were at home and uh, my dad snores. So he was kicked out of the room with my mom. So he was staying in, you know, a, a guest room. And when we hit, when the Dodgers hit the four home runs, I thought we were out of that game when the inning started in the ninth. But I ran down the hall to my dad's room and we watched the final innings. Um, we watched the Nomar walk-off home run. And I'll never forget that moment. And I wasn't even at the game. Unbelievable. And that's the power of Vin. And that's the reason you've had goosebumps. You watched it. You got him again. I've had them for 24 hours now. Um, <laughs> but we will, we'll never see another one like him. And, and what a week to, to be chatting. Uh, serendipity a little bit. Glad we were able to share those memories. Let's talk deadline a little bit. I think potentially a less eventful Dodgers deadline than I maybe expected it to be, but you did. Uh, the NLS certainly came away changed. We'll, oh, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit, but you do end up with uh, uh, my gift to you from New York to Los Angeles. Joe Gallo is now a Los Angeles Dodger. Um, the ultimate by low. Uh, so I, I don't know. I wonder, I don't know what your feelings are on the acquisition. Cause I know what the feelings are of uh, the New Yorkers who let him go. But I think also you have this universal, New York sense of wishing for something better for Joe. Like there's not that much animosity anymore. Uh, so where do you net out there? Well, it's funny because as a Yankees fan, you know how tough it is to play in New York. And I've been watching the, that Jeter documentary, the captain, mm-hmm. and that there's, there's only cert, a certain few people that are built for that environment. It is not for the faint of heart. If you don't do well, the fans will let you hear it more than any other fan base. And I just kept hearing stories uh, about Joey Gallo, about how he felt like he couldn't go outside. He couldn't be around anybody. It was just, it was just brutal. I think, I don't think he really liked shaving that much either. Um, the, the whole clean face look just didn't, uh, didn't go well with him. And in fact, when he showed up in, uh, in San Francisco, he already had his beard growing a little bit. So he, he's feeling a little bit more like himself, but you said it, it was ultimate buy low thing. Uh, the Dodgers felt like they needed a bat and, uh, he definitely is someone that can provide the power that they not really been missing. I didn't think they really needed a bat. But to have him in the middle of the order is, is I think, is going to be a really uh, good thing for him, good thing for his career. Um, he's He kind of uh, 
compares a little bit to like a Max Muncie where very low batting average, never is going to really hit above 230, 250, but can mash, can hit the ball out of the park. And also the most important thing to uh, Andrew Friedman and co is that he gets on base. Uh, a lot of walks, good on base percentage. And so I, I really do think that we're looking at a, cha- a change of scenery type of guy with, with Joey Gallo. Yeah, we we I promise you we feel bad. Like I, I think there there <laughs> do are you, do you Adam? I think there are obviously some people in New York who are more hostile than others to Joey Gallo. I, I went yeah. to a game about a month and a half ago. I, I tweeted this too, where he came in as a defensive replacement in the extra innings in in right field in, in like a I think it was nothing. No, it was one one against the Cubs. One of the most low energy Yankee games I've ever been to. And it was just quiet, dead in in right field. And he was getting heckled like nonstop just for, again, standing and right as a replacement. Yeah, which is not normal. Like, and so the conversation, I think, was a lot of like, hey, he got booed because he was bad. And that's true. (laughs) But he was also getting booed for standing around. Like he wasn't just getting reactionary boos. So I was on board with the acquisition last year. It did not work. Um I think there are probably more neighborhoods in LA. Like if he was scared of walking around downtown New York, I think there are probably more scenic, like maybe you yeah, can probably well, walk around Silver Lake and not get recognized. If you, if you've ever been to LA, there's no walking period. So there's no really, there's nowhere for him to walk. He can just drive and, and be incognito. Yeah. It's like theoretically there could be hecklers in Joey's car, but otherwise he's probably going to get out scot-free. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Best of luck. I, I, I do wish for the best for him. Is there anybody who you were eyeing that you did not get. Cause obviously the Dodgers list of targets kind of nebulous, right? You didn't expect to get a Gallo type, but you did maybe some pitching. I don't know, maybe some smaller reinforcements. Yeah. I think the, the thing that, that most disappointed me about the, about the trade deadline for the Dodgers was the fact that they didn't get a high leverage reliever. Now some would argue that Chris Martin is kind of a leverage reliever, but I, I don't buy it. I, I'm I'm talking like a Josh Hader, a David Robertson. You know David Robertson well. Love him. Um, and David Robertson was the one I wanted. Um, he was the one reliever that I really wanted because, as you've probably seen with Craig Kimbrell, you know they call him Cardiac Craig, and he it just is a is a just a disaster waiting to happen. He has you know weathered the storm quite quite a bit, but Jesus. Every time he goes out there, he just puts runners on base and no lead is safe. And it is just a a nightmare to watch. So I thought for sure they would go out and get a David Robertson who can be a setup man. He can be a closer. Um, But the Dodgers looked at their roster and they looked who was coming back. And in the likes of Blake Trinan and Bruce Star Gratterall and those guys, um, Dustin May and Walker Bueller are, are, you know, supposedly coming back Dustin May a little bit sooner. And so I think that they looked at the, looked at that and said, you know, I think we'll be fine. If those guys come back healthy and if Trinan is Blake Trinan that we know, and we love here in Los Angeles, then, then, then we'll be fine. But my, my issue is, is that I just can't, you can't trust it. When you got guys coming back from injury, you just can't trust it. And so I'm just a little worried about kind of relying and resting on our laurels, so to speak, uh, on that. And again, I obviously wasn't in the war room with Andrew Friedman and Brandon Gomes, but, um, you know, who knows what the asking price was for uh, these types of relievers. And and we've heard stories of of teams kind of like, you know, holding the Dodgers hostage almost because they don't want to give up their prize possession to the Dodgers and they're going to ask for the moon. And, and every time the Dodgers try to deal with a team like the Marlins, they're always asking for the absolute moon. And the Dodgers 
to Andrew Friedman and everyone else's credit in the front office, you know, do not panic. They, they don't look at what the Padres are doing and say, oh, we've got to top that. We've got to match that. If anything, the Padres have more to prove than the Dodgers. And that's kind of where I, I fall on that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Slam Diego's debut, uh, they, they, un, they, they took the tarp off the new car tonight and yep. rolled out Juan Soto and Brandon Jury and Josh Bell. Do they scare you significantly more today with Juan Soto and the 18 other pieces? Or are they still the Padres? Like, is there still this prove it veneer? Yeah, it's like they 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 got a fresh twenty six man roster. It's like they 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 overhauled the entire thing and I've never they, have seen a, anything like it. they have a whole new team. Um, so of course, when you add when you add Juan Soto, when you add Josh Bell, when you add uh, Brandon Drury, and even Josh Hader, like those are big time moves. And I think that AJ Preller, to his credit, has done a an exceptional job of always going for it. Never really the smartest guy in the room. And his moves don't always pan out. In fact, they've never panned out because the Padres have never won a World Series. But you can't knock him for not going for it. He goes for it. And I got to give him credit because you look at the NL West and you think the Dodgers, juggernaut, who can overtake them. The Giants kind of did overtake them in the division last season. And that was kind of a fluke. And the Padres were supposed to be there, but they flamed out. So AJ Preller back at it again. Of course, you got to respect those moves. But I kind of side more with what the the latter of, of your question, which was, I feel like they got to prove it. They just have to. I mean, win something, win, win a playoff series, win multiple playoff series, win a World Series, then then come and talk to me about how well they did, because we talk about it all the time. It's like, oh, the Padres won the trade deadline and they won the winter meetings, but they don't hand out trophies for that shit. It is you need to win the World Series. And so I I, I applaud them for for doing that. They needed to. Um, they're a team that is going to make the playoffs. They probably won't win the division because they're too far back, but they're going to make the playoffs. And if they have to face the Dodgers in a short series, yeah, that scares the shit out of me for sure. Yeah. But you said it, Trader AJ Preller. Uh, I, I forgot they even got Hater. That was like a day prior. I completely yeah. blacked that out. Um, but you know, they're, they're already talking about like, well, if it doesn't work out, Juan Soto could be available again in 2024. And it's like, yep. yeah, that's just who this guy is. So he knows there's a prove it factor. Uh, you're making one of the biggest acquisitions in major league history. And already the discourse yeah. is like, they could flip him again. Like try not to try not to yeah. flip him again. Um, well, yeah, I mean, these? you know, it's yeah. like, you know, the only reason they would flip him again is, well, they've depleted the farm system. And let's say the Padres completely implode and you're hanging out with Juan Soto again and, you know, you don't really have the, the money to keep him, then, yeah, you're probably going to have to dish him to get your farm system back because they completely gutted the whole thing. And it's something that the Dodgers have never really done. Uh, and I'm happy about that because I really love the pieces that they were able to keep as a result of the trade deadline. And I think that that is a huge victory for them. But again, the, the, the Padres have to do this. If they don't do this, then, you know, the Dodgers will just, you know, coast to the finish line every single year. Bringing it back to the, the internal additions though, and the guys they kept, you mentioned tons of guys coming back from injury. They're going to start calling up their prospects. Miguel Vargas is playing tonight. He ripped a double in his first at bat. Yep. Very classically opposite field smoked Uh, for you. Who is sort of the biggest internal addition that's going to buoy the Dodgers and make everybody forget that this deadline was sort of a little slow? 
Well, I think that when you when you consider that Chris Taylor is coming back, and in fact, he hit two home runs in AAA tonight. So he's he's on the way back. Miguel Vargas is here. Now, if I'm Justin Turner, I'm a little worried at this point because Justin Turner's on the injured list. And it sort of feels a little bit like uh, what happened with Cody Bellinger and Adrian Gonzalez in 2017, where it was sort of a, a changing of the guard. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez had given the Dodgers a ton of great seasons, kind of turned the franchise around with that move um, and, and kind of began that culture of we're going to win the division every single year. And, and so that was the emergence of Cody Bellinger. He wins rookie of the year. He takes over for Adrian Gonzalez at first base and the rest is history. I kind of feel like that could happen again, depending on how much of a runway they give Miguel Vargas. And obviously it has to do with production as well. But given the fact that Justin Turner is out for a little bit, they're going to give Miguel Vargas a lot of opportunities in that lineup, a lot of opportunities at third base. And so he's he's going to have to prove it. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited for someone like him because he's not only a great hitter, he's a great defender, he's a great base runner, and he's just a great personality. And I think that, you know, that goes a long way in the clubhouse. Now, I'm going to pivot here, complete 180, something that we talked about that I want to touch on before we go. I'll let you go in a second. Uh, the, the National Comedy Center and your experience there, Dodger Baseball uh, will always be there, as will this museum. Uh, I, I found out about this you know, exhibition and this place through your tweets. Um, and I know you just spent a weekend out there with, with your father honoring your grandfather and, and sort of laying out his collection. Can, can you take me through that weekend and, and exactly what happened out there? Yeah, so um, I, I had had didn't even know that this National Comedy Center had existed. Um, it was before I tweeted it. I knew that, but <laughs> yeah, not quite at the same time. Yeah, yeah not quite. But it, but it, but it it uh, I believe it opened in in 2018, so it's fairly new. And this this place is a mecca for anyone that loves comedy. You go into this uh, National Comedy Center you have like a little wristband on and it has like a little sensor in it and you go to this kiosk and it essentially you get to choose you know who are your favorite comedians who are your what are your favorite tv shows what are your favorite movies you know what are your favorite comedies and all of that and the experience is then tailored to your interests so each little uh you know thing that you go to each little uh, event that you go and check out you scan in with your little wristband and you get the comedy that you know fits your style your humor and and it's just great it's very interactive um but they just opened this uh permanent exhibit just dedicated to my grandfather carl reiner and let me tell you so he he passed away two years ago uh it was during the pandemic and we had a Zoom memorial for him. And this was like the who's who of comedy legends, Albert Brooks, Steve Martin, Mel Brooks, you know, my dad, uh, Billy Crystal, all of these people uh, spoke at this Zoom memorial. And it was great. It was great to watch it, but it just felt like it was missing something. And that was like the theater aspect, the, you know, the the laughter that we all share, the, the things that we really wanted to uh, enjoy together. And so, after we checked out the comedy center and the exhibit, which I can touch on a little bit later, but mm -hmm. that night they did like a um, sort of a, a, a night to, to honor uh, my grandfather. So uh, it was in this amphitheater in, uh, in Chautauqua, which is Western New York, the comedy centers in Jamestown. And it was like this amphitheater filled with like 4,000, 5,000 people. And um, 
it it was a great night because my my dad was there, my aunt was there, my uncle was there. They were on stage sharing stories, and then intermittently they would show like you know comedy uh, packages of just the greatest clips of two thousand year old man, mm-hmm. uh, you know the Smothers Brothers, um, you know uh, not Smothers Brothers, uh, show of shows, uh, Dick Van Dyke, all of those things that they showed, um, and then they had. You know, Mel Brooks gave a tape statement. Steve Martin um, and 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 all the all the rest of the of the people that touched his life. You know, gave a uh, sort of a, a taped video statement, and it was just a wonderful night. But the exhibit itself is great. Um, they've got uh, they scanned eighteen thousand documents of just material from him, which is incredible. Uh, which which came in about seventy five boxes, and so they were able to wither it down to just this one room. And it's a great room that kind of goes through, you know, the different stages of his career. But the part that really uh, hit me harder than anything was that um, we donated um, his chair, his Mm -hmm. main uh, chair that he sat in in his living room, as well as Mel Brooks' chair that used to sit right next to him in that living room. And they would get together every night. They'd watch Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, maybe a movie, maybe a TV show. Uh, and they'd have a great time together and they would do that every single night. And so they had the two chairs there as well as the TV tables. And I just broke down crying. I mean, it just the just seeing that, you know, because that was a personal touch because that's how I that's how I knew him. When I went over to his house on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, that's where I saw him sitting in that chair, sharing so many memories, so many meals in that house with him. Um, that hit me harder than anything. And I think when he passed, I hadn't really like emotionally connected to that um, because it was just so bizarre and it felt so disconnected with COVID and all of that, that that moment was really what hit me hard when I saw the chair there. I just lost it. Um, It was an incredible couple of days. And if you ever have a chance to check out the Comedy Center, I would totally do it. It's a bitch to get to, but it was so (laughs) worth it to figure out how to get to Jamestown because it is an, it's the, it's the birthplace of Lucille Ball who also has a museum there. Um, and so that's why they did it. I, I, I wish that they had picked a, a more, an easier place to get to. Uh, but then again, like if you love baseball, you're going to have to go to Cooperstown and figure yes. out how to get there too. So I think people will figure it out. That is so amazing, man. And, and yes, I was going to pitch the Cooperstown, Jamestown doubleheader if you hadn't brought it up. And so I'm glad that you did. I, I endorse that um, <laughs> as somebody who had my bachelor party in Cooperstown. Uh, for anyone who hasn't gone out there, do it and and definitely hit both sites. Um, and and that's just so incredibly touching. And, and thanks for mentioning the 2000 year old man too. Uh, coincidentally, he was born the last time Joey Gallo got a hit. <laughs> so it's it all ties back together uh Jake, it does it does uh thank you so much for joining me this was this was so fun and, and so cool and uh i look forward to talking to you again man this was uh this was awesome hopefully we tussle in the postseason a little bit yeah i would love to see that a dodgers yankees world series how cool would that be um you know to to honor to honor vin scully in a in a, in a great way kind of combining the two cities that he called home Yeah, I've been waiting forever. I'm sure you have too. And uh, keep in touch, man. That'll be amazing. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Jake Reiner, everybody. Vin Scully forever. We love you. And now, my final flame. The MLB trade deadline has come and gone once again. And with its arrival and departure comes a bleak reminder of baseball's commodification. A player who gets traded isn't a person, but rather an asset. 
and they don't get traded to teams, but instead find themselves on a stock market. And forget about baseballs and bats. On August 3rd, they become money balls and bats. Before too long, there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has sold out. These days, baseball is a money-making venture more than a national pastime. Although perhaps our nation's true pastime was financial wealth all along, making baseball more of a national pastime than ever, but not in a way I enjoy. Even though I do endorse the American dream, but only for me. Forgive me if I'm being uncouth, but if I have to watch Pete Rose on the sidelines while the seventh inning stretch is sponsored by DraftKings, which is sponsored by FanDuel, it seems as if the plot has been lost. And if, instead of the bottom of the ninth, I have to watch a DraftKing roll up his sleeves and fight a FanDuel in the middle of left center field, fella, I don't know what's going on. But I do know that this peyote is astounding. And Pete Rose is the referee, and watch him wave his noodle arms around. Just for me. Then take a bite of that soft noodle. What do you tell a kid whose favorite player is Juan Soto when, at any moment, the rug could be pulled out from underneath him? What do you tell him after he tells you that rooting for a team is something people used to do 20 years ago, and he could just follow Juan Soto across the country at the press of a button, and he doesn't even live in Washington anyway, and this whole Nationals thing was your idea to distract him from Roblox? You just smile and nod, sir. You just smile, nod, and nod again. We get it. It's business. The biggest of business. But at the very least, let's take the focus off the deadline and put it on to the playing field. I don't care how many prospects or picks someone's worth. I care how many prospects or picks they could kill if they hit them flush with their hardest line drive going plink, 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 lined up like dominoes. Brute strength, that's my money ball. My thanks to the wonderful Jake Reiner and that weird guy. We'll see you next Thursday. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.